WQXR, in conversation. When you come to the end of a perfect day... Like many of us, baritone Lucas Meacham has been working from home these days, performing with his wife Irina on the front porch for their neighbors, and working with his foundation, A Perfect Day, on bringing more diversity and inclusivity to classical music. He spoke to me recently about life at home, about the songs he's been singing, and about where we go from here. I'm Marin Lazian, creator and producer of Aria Code, and you're listening to WQXR Classical New York in Conversation. So, you know, social distancing has meant that a lot of singers and musicians really can't practice their craft in the way that they're used to, especially with singers, because it really is so collaborative. Um, unless, unless you're a great pianist, it's kind of hard to accompany yourself. So you're lucky because your wife happens to be a pianist. And I, I believe you did a lot of collaborating even before COVID times. Um, but what has it been to make music together at home now, ever since kind of the world has, has closed down, since you haven't really been performing publicly? What's it been like working together in this way? Well, first of all, I'm incredibly fortunate to have a wife who is a collaborative pianist herself and uh, has worked in many opera houses around the United States. And uh, she's incredibly proficient and very good at telling me how to be a better singer. (laughs) So the best part of being able to do that at home still, to still be able to work on music together with a coach, is that it's a lifeline to my artistic soul that a lot of people don't have right now. And having that lifeline has been absolutely incredible. It's just wonderful to be able to put art out there into the world in any shape or form in these unprecedented times. And what forms has that taken for the two of you? Um, what, how have you been able to get it out there in the last few months? We did a porch concert, actually, from our home to our neighbors' homes, and we invited everybody by cutting up this, uh, this box that like a bicycle trailer came in, and we put Sunday porch concert at 2.30, hope to see you there, you know? And all of a sudden, we had a bunch of neighbors from the neighborhood out in the grass and in the, in the, in the, the, the driveway, and they came, and, and they just loved it. And the best part of it was not even the singing or the art. It was the camaraderie between me and my neighbors. Before I had done that, I didn't really know any of my neighbors. And after the concert, I'm, I'm kind of the most famous person in my, <laughs> my complex. It's pretty great. And by, I don't mean famous. I just mean people recognize me and they say hello. And uh, they're already nice. It just, it sort of, it was a real icebreaker because we did it at the beginning of COVID. And I think for everyone to see each other come out in order to enjoy uh, something together, anything together. It just made everyone feel closer together as a whole. And we need so much more of that right now. Yeah, a real sense of community. Yeah. You know, I've, I've sensed that. And I think a lot of people have sensed that in, in New York and I think across the country with the 7 p.m. applause for essential workers that's happening. You know, it's a time when people are stepping onto their porches, balconies, their their front lawns, and at the same time every day. And I guess it's because we've all sort of stopped our busy lives and, and are here to do it. Of all silver linings, I think that's one of the nicest about the current situation is, I think, a deepening to some extent of that sense of community. The opera community is currently out of work. We all have this passion inside of us. We're all born performers. 
It's a gift to us to be able to give. During this lockdown, everyone is taking in art, whether you're reading a newspaper, a journal, a magazine, a TV show, listening to the radio, you're taking in art. So when you start to begin to speak about essential workers, I think during this COVID-19 pandemic, artists have proven themselves to be some of the most essential workers that we have. What have you been dreaming up and, and singing well, these days? These days, it's been a combination of, of songs that represent underrepresented people. Because as in my role here as a white man, it's my responsibility to champion works by composers who don't look like me or have a similar experience as me. And I'm understanding this even more now than I have in the past. In January, I started a, a nonprofit organization called A Perfect Day Music Foundation. And its goal, its mission statement is to represent underrepresented people in music, in classical music specifically. I'm talking composers and librettists and showcasing their work because that is the goal, is that everyone is represented in, in classical music. And when I started down this, this path, it opened my eyes to all of this incredible music that is out there that has been overlooked. And at this point, it's, it's time to give everyone an equal voice. So what's an example of a, of a composer or a piece that you feel is, is starting to address that issue that you've been working on? Um, Litany is one. The text is by Langston Hughes. What is amazing about the text is that it was written almost 100 years ago. And just like The Marriage of Figaro or La Boheme or any, any opera, they become timeless because they tell the story of human nature. And that's exactly what Langston Hughes has done in his piece, Litany, as he's told this story that is, that is told by humans over and over again that I think will continue to be told as long as our species advances through time. That's what art is here to do. It's, it's here to help you to look at things from a different perspective. And right now, our entire world perspective is changing. It's a new world that we're living in right now. And opera has to follow suit. Um, can you tell me a little bit about Grief by William Grant Still? The first time I ever heard it, it, it stuck with me in a way that very few musical pieces have. This is probably one of the most beautiful art songs I've ever experienced, not only singing, but hearing as an audience member. And at that point when I heard it, I knew I had to perform it. And every time I do, it's one of those pieces where I can barely open my eyes because the world, what I see through my eyes, the world I see through my, my eyes in that moment does not gather the gravitas of the chords that he's written and the words of the piece. And so I always find myself closing my eyes every time I perform it, basically to save an entire sensory factor of my body to then also put it into the music. I'm even doing it as I'm describing it and speaking about it because it's just, it's, it, I've never had that experience in music actually where I just have to close my eyes and wallow and just let myself sink into the music. Grief 
by William Grant Still, performed by Lucas Meacham and Irina Meacham. I, I get what you mean now, Lucas, about, about kind of needing to close your eyes to, to hear that piece. And it really is incredible, the kind of the world that it creates and the way that it builds. So thank you for, for that beautiful recording. Grief is a really present concept right now for people. And I, I you know, in this country, but I also think kind of all over the world. And there are a lot of things that people are grieving, I think sometimes consciously and sometimes not so consciously. And among those things, only really one among those things is the is the pandemic. Um, there have been lives lost, obviously, and livelihoods lost, but also sort of the loss of our public spaces and our public connection. And of course, for musicians, the loss of the experience of communicating to a live audience. And I think a music music career is, is effectively a freelance gig. You're really reliant on every single engagement that you have. And the, the stability of it sort of comes crumbling down, I guess, when, when those things are canceled. How have you been able to cope with the sort of crumbling of what your expectations were for this year professionally? There have been so many emotions that I've been experiencing lately, and they they change weekly, really. I think the loss that we can say that everyone has experienced is the loss of normalcy. And in that loss of normalcy, everyone is sort of questioning their own existence in a way. Is this enough? Am I doing enough in, in many ways? And it's a wonderful time to reflect on yourself, both as a musician or an artist or as a human uh, who's a part of our, our incredible species. So to say that I've been reflecting is an understatement. I've been reflecting quite a bit on myself because I have the time to do so. And I think a lot of people have been sort of looking introspectively into themselves. What I've been sort of landing on is, is the feeling of loss, like I've really lost this sense of normalcy that I was speaking about. And then on top of that, there's a bit of guilt because I know other people have it worse than me. So I'm, I feel both emotional about having lost and then emotional about feeling that loss at the same time because I don't feel deserving of feeling that loss because I am in a place of privilege. I have worked very hard to get to the point that I am, and I started with absolutely nothing in a very small town in the sticks of North Carolina. So I have definitely come a long way from where I've, I've been, but at the same time, I've been given certain legs up. And so it's a weird place I find myself personally. I don't know if anyone else is feeling this way too, but where I feel both loss and guilt at feeling the loss. And so I don't really know how to feel. So I just feel awkward and uh, I don't have an answer yet, but I promise you if I, if I come around to one, I, I will give it to you. I can tell you this, every time I sit down at the piano, it all melts off of me and I'm just a musician. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Music can bring people together and it can bring you back to yourself. You acknowledged a minute ago certain privileges, certain legs up, I guess, in your life and also the foundation that you mentioned before. What is your greatest aim um, in that work? If I had a perfect world, I would be sending people of color, women and people from the LGBTQ community to college to learn 
more about music, to to get degrees in music and, and to become comp- the composers and librettists of the future, I try to give back as much as I can because so much has been given to me. It's all about trying to balance the cosmic scales for me at this point. I have received so much in my life from people that might not have even known that they were giving me a lot because it wasn't much to them. And the only thing I can try and do at this point is give back as much as I possibly can to give of myself in in the only way I know how and the way that I was given to. And that's with my knowledge, with my money, with my time and with my efforts. And so that's what this foundation is all about. And I'm I'm really proud to have started the idea for the foundation about two years ago and then actually start the foundation in January when the need for a foundation like this came very apparent to everyone in the world just recently. And so it makes me feel feel very nice to have to have started it. But at the end of the day, I also feel like my work has only just begun. And so I'm ready to get to work. Now, the name of the foundation, which I love, Perfect Day Foundation, that, that name didn't come from nowhere. Where, where's that name from? It is from this wonderful piece of music, this wonderful art song written by Carrie Jacob Bonds. A uh, hundred years ago it was written, and it's just, uh, it basically paints the picture of a wonderful day with friends, with, with family, just, just a, a beautiful day. And I thought, if only we could all live in that perfect day. And we, at the very least, we can continue to strive for that perfect day. And it's, it's the intention behind it that really drives us as individuals. I actually tell my students when they say, um, hey, that was a perfect performance, or what do you think? Do you think you did a perfect performance? I said, the day that I have a perfect performance is the day that I should quit because there's nowhere to build. There's no, there's no more journey for someone that's perfect. And so I've never given a perfect performance, nor do I hope to. <laughs> well, in that case, uh, I'm expecting this next performance of uh, A Perfect Day to be perhaps just short of perfect, although it didn't sound that way to me. It sounded pretty good. So let's hear it. A Perfect Day by Carrie Jacob Bonds, performed by Lucas Meacham and Irina Meacham, and in fact, arranged, at least in part, by Irina Meacham as well, right? Absolutely. Co-arranged? She did. She co-arranged it with uh, my dear friend Steve White. And the original music was by Carrie Jacob Bonds, but we wanted to give it a, a new spin and have something really personal about this piece because it's also the piece that our foundation is named after. Flaming ray, and the dear friend 
song again one that i didn't know although it was very popular in its time it was. I've, I've since learned um and for all i know still very popular in in our time but an, <laughs> a new song for me so thank you for sharing that i'm happy to and actually a, a hopeful song as well and i think i think people are really looking for things to be hopeful about right now kind of think hope is kind of our primary motivators at least it is for me and um I think, you know, musically and for a lot of the musicians I've been talking to, one of the one of the kind of bright spots of hope on the horizon is just imagining the the day when we return to some semblance of normal again, when we can all be together in a space and perform. And I'm curious about what you're looking forward to. What are the what are the bright spots on your horizon musically? What's coming up for you? Well, I have a dual concert in uh, North Carolina, near where I grew up, actually, uh, coming up in August. We're doing one performance outdoors for the community, of course, socially distanced at all the safe government-recommended uh, guidelines under those, and then one indoors at a uh, partially sold house. And it's great because what we have uh, decided to perform are... Again, I, I, this representation of diversity and these underrepresented groups is just becoming sort of, it's just, it's so important right now. And so we will be performing songs by composers of color, women, LGBTQ community. And, it, and it's, it's just important to put those, those voices out there because until they're heard, they're not heard, you know? And so you have to, you have to really uh, put those out there. The other uh, part of the concert will involve arias from shows that have been canceled due to COVID. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that would be really fun because I've missed out on getting to sing them in the opera houses around the world. I've been scheduled to sing them. So instead, I'm going to put them all into one night and give a performance of them. Is this concert going to be streamed at all or are, you, are we going back to? We are still working out the details of that. It's very possible we'll be streaming it um, to be determined. 
All right. Well, I will I will stay tuned on that one. And also stay tuned on another upcoming performance of yours, which I find really interesting uh, with the Dallas Opera, a new a new opera, yeah, of the yes. Diving Bell and the Butterfly, um, a wonderful book and film. Do you want to tell that story? Because it's uh, really kind of an astounding one, and I'm very curious about how it's being adapted for opera. Well, this is a world premiere written by Joby Talbot is writing the music. He's the composer. And Gene Shearer is writing the uh, libretto for it. And I've already read through the entire libretto, and it gave me chill bumps the end of Act 1 and the end of Act 2. And the biggest challenge here is that I'm playing a character who has what is called locked-in syndrome. It's when you have his. In, this this is all a true story, by the way. His name is Jean Dominique Bobby. He is a, a French man. He was a, a, the head of a magazine, and L to be exact. And he had a a stroke, and gone from one day going to lavish parties, eating everything he wanted, cooking and hosting these amazing events. He goes from that to only being able to move one part of his body, and that's his eyelids, on one of his eyes, and so he's locked in and it feels like he is in a diving bell. However, his mind is still going a hundred miles a minute. And that is the butterfly that's floating around his intellectual presence. And so he ends up being able to work out a language of his own by blinking out certain letters based on the, the letters importance in the French language. And he blinks out this entire book that ends up winning prizes. They make a movie out of it, and it's so beautiful. Now, you probably ask the question, how do I play a character who can't move anything but his eyelids? I do ask that question, yes. <laughs> well, uh, the director has, has worked it out in a way that I f don't fully understand. Of course, all will be revealed when I show up for the first day of rehearsal, <laughs> but there, will be many there are many flashbacks in the show. And it is the thing I'm looking forward to most in my future right now. It is going to be amazing. I'm so fascinated by, by this idea as it turned into an opera. I'm really, and I'm so glad that it's still there on the horizon. So thank you so much, Lucas. It was a pleasure to talk to you. It was my pleasure, Marin. This interview was produced by me and Max Fine, with help from Rosa Gollin. Lucas Krohn-Grimberga is our executive producer. I'm Marin Lazian. Thank you for listening. <laughs>